I didn't like people dictating how I should live my life or how I should do things. I would say, you know, you need to work on the girls that are already in this industry. They need to focus on these girls as well. The amount of girls that would tell me that thanks to you, my father supports me in what I do. Hi, and welcome to this episode of the podcast in partnership with the Emirates Festival of Literature today and Najahi events. More about these great sponsors later. Now, today's guest. If you're a young female and you're a bit of a tomboy and you want to try things that society says that maybe you shouldn't, then Amna Alkabasi is the inspiration for that. She's the first Emirati female racing driver to get into Formula 4 and she is determined to work her way up through the system and become an F1 driver. How about that for a goal and ambition? So let's cue the music and meet this really smart, interesting and driven young lady Tell us her story about how she got there and what her ambitions are and how every single girl on this planet, if they dream hard enough and they work hard enough, can get exactly what they want. Thank you to Najahi Events who have been sponsoring us now on the podcast for over a year. Najahi bring motivational speakers to the region to help inspire, educate and motivate you to achieve better success and live a better life. So Amna, thanks for coming to join us on the podcast today. I kind of thought I'd find you at a racing track, not at a festival of literature. So what on earth happened there? Well, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I've been invited for the book. Um, they have a launch here. So something new. I've never been to the literature festival, let alone any other festival that has nothing to do with sports or racing. So I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Have you met some interesting people today? Yeah, I've met Khawla. I've met uh, the pr production, the guys who produced the book mm -hmm. and who wrote the book. Anna Seaman, I think she, that's her name. Yeah, she wrote the book as well and interviewed a couple of inspiring people. So yeah, they're very interesting and very nice to talk to. Let's talk about that word inspiring them for a minute, because you seem to be inspiring a generation that you're doing. <laughs> do you feel that you're doing that? Or do you think that's just a byproduct of your drive and determination? Yeah, for me, like I didn't really see I was inspiring anyone. I was just doing something that I love. I never, I just followed my father's footsteps. But then I realized, you know, the amount of girls that would tell me that thanks to you, my father supports me in what I do. And my father, you know, lets me do some stuff like, uh, male-dominated industries, for example, you know, mechanical engineering or even sports. So I then it clicked me and I was like, oh, I didn't know I was actually making a difference. I thought I was just doing what I love. Right. Let's tell everybody what you do then, because not everyone's going to know you from the English speaking world. So give us give us your one minute elevator pitch of what you do. So I'm the first female Emirati to compete in Formula 4 and karting and Formula 3. The first. How long have you been doing it for? 10 years. You've been doing it 10 years? Yes, 10 okay. Years. So that's quite a, an achievement. Mm -hmm. Okay. But it's disappointing that you are the first. I kind of feel that there should have been more. It mm -hmm. should have happened much before. Yes. And sad that it didn't. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it wasn't very like well known in the UAE. I mean, we have karting tracks. When I first started, I had no idea there were karting tracks. As well as, you know, we have the best F1 circuit in Yas Marina so it's kind of shocking that we don't have a driver from the UAE representing 
the UAE or even an F1 UAE team. And I think they have great potential to have that. Let's talk about, let's talk about motor racing before we talk about you being a female in this sport. Um, I would argue probably that you must have been a bit of a tomboy when you were younger. <laughs> <laughs> I loved wearing sweatpants, jackets, oversized clothes. Yeah, I was very tomboyish. Yeah, always in the sneakers rather than heels. Yes, yeah, sneakers. I mean, makeup sometimes here and there, but I was in love with like Jordans. Yeah. Beg my dad, like, I want Jordans. He's like, you have a million. I was like, no, I need more. <laughs> I collect. <laughs> and do you remember the first time you got in a car? The first time, it wasn't a car, it was actually a quad bike. Okay. I was three years old and we were in the desert. And right you were riding it? Yep. <laughs> There's the little ones for yep. kids, yeah. And I remember it was the rented ones. And um, usually, like, they let the kids stay in a specific area. And I didn't listen. I was, like, going far away. I wanted to go up the sand dunes, like, where the other guys were going. And I remember them getting upset and chasing me. And my dad was, like, really proud of me. <laughs> so... That's when it all started, yeah. And when you went karting for the first time, was that the first kind of like indoctrination into some form of racing? Yeah, the Not first time. Uh, the first time it was actually a rental track. So it was a rental cart as well. So it was... Not the best experience. I got scared because, like, I got pushed out. So I was really scared to hop onto a cart again. But then, you know, I forget easily. I forget what happened to me. So a few months later, I jumped back into the cart and I just wanted to go fast and I would follow my dad. So, yeah, I have this thing like when I get into incidents or problems, I forget easily what happened. And so that was down in Abu Dhabi? Yes. So the car track down there, the one at Yas? No, not the one at Yas. It was Alpha Sun, actually. Alpha, oh, okay. No, I, yeah. I, I go wakeboarding there. Oh, yeah, that's cool. That's exactly where you mean. Yeah. Okay. So you were going down to Alpha Sun. Yep. You went down a couple of times. You kind of liked it. Or was it li li an instant once you got over the fear of the first experience? Was it just like, I like this. I need to do yeah, this. Yeah. yeah, I just loved it so much. And my dad was coaching me. And with his coaching, I started to improve and I started to get better. And I would usually go every single day after school. I would go to the card track and I would practice, practice, try to get the best time to the point where I started beating the guys. And so I had the enjoyment of beating the guys. So I would go again just so I could beat them and get all upset. <laughs> so, yeah, that's how it all started. So for anyone that's in their car right now listening to this and hasn't got the benefit of watching this, Amna's face has just changed completely. <laughs> Beating the guys, the face lit up and it's just like that kind of one up and zip. Yeah, it's satisfying, you know, yeah. to see how upset they get. So I just get, I feed on it. <laughs> so what they, they kind of, they kind of enjoyed losing to a girl. Now, you know, some of them would have reluctantly accepted or, or thought there was a catch. But there must have been some people that didn't want you to do it either, that didn't like that the fact that you were out there beating them and got quite upset about it. Yeah, they would mostly like say, you know, it's not a girl sport. You're not supposed to be in this. I've had people, you know, trying to tell me or convince me, you know, do horse riding, do ballet, do some of that stuff. This has, You can have a future in this. Like, I didn't like people dictating how I should live my life or how I should do things. So I have this thing where I would just do the opposite. Like, I don't listen to you. I do the opposite. I'll prove you that I can. And I am able to have a career or even a future in what I like to do. So that's why I just kept persisting. And I just wanted to prove them raw. Okay. When I think of people that have that type of attitude, a lot of the time they've experienced something in their life 
where that 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 is like either they've come from trauma or they've come from a place where their back's been against the wall and they've had to come out fighting it's almost like you know, there's something that's triggered that kind of reaction and then it's used almost as a metaphor for the rest of their life exactly yeah. and so can you remember if you had any experiences because your dad's got a successful career so he's done very well for himself so i'm sure that life hasn't been challenging for you from that point of view you've not been homeless and that so do you could you can you think of anything that in your life created something that made you go i'm gonna show you i'm gonna show you yeah i mean my first season in karting um i've had actually a really bad experience in my first season i was here in the uae and because the whole grid there were boys and they were all european so we had not a single local person i was the only girl and arabic person there so it was very hard to fit in and i would get told you know like she's not here for long she's just here for fun because her dad lets her do it and she just wants to have fun she has no future in this i'd hear mechanics say these or like to their drivers and i would get so upset and i would be like in my head i would tell myself that that is not you that you have a future you have a talent you just need more time and more effort i even went to my dad and i tried like I was I was convinced that maybe they're right but then my dad would tell me you know don't listen to what other people say you don't listen to me when I tell you to do things so why would you listen to them for what they have to say about you or judge you so he told me let it in one year and let it out the other and have fun as long as you have fun then the results will come my mom said to me when I was younger repeat after me son what do you think of me is none of my business and she said, made me say that over and over and over again so that I wasn't impacted by other people's feelings or thoughts or opinions of me. But as a young boy being taught that, it became part of essentially my computer brain. It was automatic. So whether it was Amna or Alex or Sophia, if somebody says something, it's not none of my business what you think of me. Yeah, I completely agree. You, you get? Yes, I, I agree. When you've had to, you've had to fight, haven't you? Oh, yeah, big time in the sport that was male-dominated. I, I didn't realize why it was called male-dominated till I started to progress. I moved into F4, then I realized it was actually male-dominated, and we had to put in double the effort. Let's, okay, let's go through the process so that everyone that doesn't necessarily understand motorsport, we know the pinnacle's Formula 1. We know that everyone starts in karting. So take me through the layers that you go from karting as you move up to get to the pinnacle if you were to get there. So there's karting, so we have like categories depending on your age. So there is a bambino, which is like seven-year-olds. Then we have mini, micro. Then we have juniors, 13, 16, then seniors, 16 and above. Then we have KZ, which is a shifter cart. So it's much faster. So it's a cart with gears. Yes, with okay. gears. So that's 16 and above you can enter. And then the next step is F4. Formula 4, and there's many championships around the world. There is the Italian, there is Spanish, there is the UAE, there is um, US uh, F4, and then there is the F3, FIA F3, and then we have F2, and then the pinnacle, which is F1. Okay, so in F4, you compete in a championship. There's one here in the UAE. How many races are part of the, the F4 season? So in the UAE, they usually do it during the winter. So they would start in January and they would end in February. And that's the coldest time. So it would be around seven rounds. 
Um, so they did it in Yas in Dubai. And just this year, they involved Kuwait. So they tried to make it the Middle East Championship. And hopefully next year, they'll involve Bahrain as well. So it's seven rounds between January to February before the European season, which starts mid-March, April. Okay. And so you race January to February here, and then you go and race in another... In Europe. In Europe. Yes. And, uh, and how long does that season last? So I think it depends on the championship. There are nine to 13 rounds in different championships, and it starts from March or April, and then it goes all the way to October. So how many globally, how many drivers are in F4 currently, would you guess? Uh, there would be... I think a lot. There would be more than 150 drivers globally. Okay. 150 drivers globally. Let's say there's that. How many of them are women? I would say it would be around four or five. Four or five out of all of them that are women. Okay. And how many people are competing in F4 in the Middle East that are women? Those five that were also competing in Europe. There. So they come here and compete and they compete in Europe as well. Yep. Did you did you create some form of bond and sisterhood with these girls, or are they like even <laughs> bigger? Cases? I'm going to get you even more. You know, tell yeah. me how, what it's like. So there are a few girls that are very nice, very down to earth, and then there are other girls that are very, you know, like catty in a way. So, like, because some girls they see themselves as being the only girl and they want to keep it that way. And some girls would like to have more girls involved. So it really depends on the driver and how they are. Sometimes, you know, there is this and there's that. It depends on the personality of them. So, yeah. Okay. Now, when we look at progressing from F4 to F3, what does somebody have to do to get into the next category? So, I mean, a driver can skip F4 if they'd like to. I mean, it's basically not recommended, but some drivers do do it. Uh, so F4, basically, you get more experience, you get more track time, you can learn the tracks beforehand, you train physically before you enter, F, uh, enter F3, um, you get points as well, and uh, when people move up to F3, usually that's when it's like super tough. So if you don't have really much experience with a car and you jump into F3, it's difficult to adapt, difficult to understand how the car works. In F4, you'd understand the car is slower and there's less downforce. You move to F3, you realize there's more downforce, so you can take more advantage of the car. How good do you have to be to get into F3? Usually, it's not about how good anymore. Now, it's more about money. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. That makes me feel sad. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It just makes me feel sad because I think that if you want to fight for people to have opportunities then it should be a in some way an equal playing field yeah i completely agree so <clears throat> a lot of drivers i mean i've realized the sport now is for the wealthy and the rich so it, unless you have sponsors or you have a big backup from your from a government or something it's a rich sport you take someone like Lewis, who's from Stevenage. You take um, George Russell, who's from Kings Lynn. They don't come from wealthy families. Yeah. Um, but you take someone like Lando. His dad sold yeah. a big part. I say his dad's wealthy. Um, and lots of the other drivers um, have got wealthy parents that have been able to fund their careers or their parents were even drivers themselves. Yeah. But this is not insignificant amounts of money, is it? 
a lot of people it's a lot of money yeah it's you know? insane amounts like for us it's very hard for me and my sister as well to join a championship because the amount of budget that's placed to enter a championship without testing is way way off just give us an idea because you're, you're you're essentially in a unique position to know this kind of stuff so you're in f4 you want to move up to f3 how much money is it going to cost with no sponsors with no sponsors, it would be around more than 800,000 euros for a season. 800,000 euros for a season. Yes. Without... As long as you don't crash. That's, yeah, without crashing. <laughs> I mean, you can get insurance, but still you still have to pay. So that's alone, just entering the season. So then does it become as much a part of the job of a racing driver to market PR promote themselves so that they can get sponsors this is does being a racing driver I mean I've seen a lot of drivers they have their own PR they have their own manager they have their own agent who manages everything for them they have coaches so they have everything and then we see other drivers who have their parents who are in control of this who are their parents are funding them so their parents are in control of all of that so yeah I think F3 is like F1 in a way. Like you see all the drivers, they have everything from coaches to physiotherapists to mental coaches. They have everything. So, yeah. Okay. So how do, how do you go to your dad and say, dad, I need 800,000 euros. <laughs> how does that conversation happen? It's like, how, what position do you have to get him in? You know, is he, he's got a, is he a full belly? Just come out <laughs> watching a nice movie, you know, had a bit of a moment and a hug and walk on the beach with his, his little girl. How, how do you approach that dad? You know, this is... no, actually my dad told me this. He's, he manages my racing. Okay. So I signed a contract with him so I can't enter any championship without his approval. Okay. So he's in control. So. Whenever I'd ask him, actually, I'd get shocked. I'm like, what? Where will I find this, you know, 800,000 euros? Where will I find this? He's like, you need to work for sponsors. So I try to build myself. I try to build my community, my Instagram, try to get more followers, more exposure. And with that, I got sponsors. So I got Kaspersky Lab, the antivirus company. Okay. And then we spent a Ferrari. Yes. And Strata Manufacturing, they're a government entity uh, company in the UAE. And I had one from Egypt, Capchi Coatings. So they basically do some paint, paint jobs for cars, homes, everything. They're based in Egypt. So that's when I started to get sponsors. But still, it wasn't enough. Sometimes I had to put, you know, from my collaborations, put in my money in to make it the full amount. You... You have the unfortunate but fortunate position of being a voice for women in sport. I hope so. <laughs> um, and you have a, an almost a, a sense of national duty to your country, but you also have a duty to 50% of the world's population mm -hmm. or 49% or whatever <laughs> is going on in the world right now. But you know what I mean. And so... You know, I have two daughters. My daughters are 20 and 23. Oh. I want them to have all of the opportunities in the world that they want to experience. I don't want mm -hmm. anyone to tell them they can't do something. I don't want any man to tell them, you know, you're not becoming part of this industry. They, they, they decide what they do and they get my full support, like much like your dad is. But there's, not, there's a lot of people out there that have been almost conditioned to think not. Mm -hmm. 
you know, to condition to think, well, that's that's not something I could do. And sports is such a great example of that, whether that's being a, a wakeboarder, as we spoke about earlier, or that becomes being a racing driver. How do you approach supporting women? How, what's your mission around that to make sure that we can encourage more young girls, young ladies to, to get involved in areas that maybe they wouldn't have thought was either possible or even on their radar before? I would say, you know, like, do it for yourself if something just pops up and is of interest of you and you would like to try it you know go ahead without asking anyone's approval without asking any suggestions just go ahead and try it on your own if you enjoy it then keep on persisting pursuing it if you don't enjoy it then there's plenty of other things to try but most importantly you have to mute out what people say what people have you know suggest i would say you know they would try to make it seem in a nice way like when I started racing, I had people telling me, you know, it's it's a boy's sport. Why are you playing? Like, why are you doing this sport? It has no future. It has no future in this country as well. Like, what are you going to stay in Europe for the rest of your life? So I I didn't really listen to them. I was just like, watch me. You will see me in the future. I would be much better. I would improve. I would progress. And surprisingly, it was during high school, actually. And I told them this. And I told them, you will watch me pursue and you will watch me progress. After high school, let's say three years later, everybody starts messaging me. You told us that you were going to make it and you actually did. And we're so proud of you and we're happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to put into your mind. It's all about like, I would say people would say it's called manifesting. Mm -hmm. Once you manifest and you convince yourself that you will make it, you will eventually. It will happen for sure. Yeah. Mm. It's really good. I like that. Let's talk about the industry. You've got the FIA, which is in charge of motor racing. You've got mm -hmm. all of these different categories from electric cars to to um, uh, the race series of NASCAR in America to kart series in America to the uh, the saloon cars that they race mm -hmm. in Europe. Also, there's lots of different series to race in, and you'll yep. know them much better than me. We look at football in Europe, and now women and their football leagues are mainstream. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, they don't have the same amount of supporters that go to female football as it does to men's football, but it's getting there and yeah. it's getting better. We can clearly see that. And then if you go to a CNN or a BBC website, you can see that women's football is reported almost in the same way that men's football is. Mm -hmm. So we're getting some real progress there. And that's because the football associations have decided to take it seriously. Mm -hmm. Do you think the FIA are taking women in motor racing as seriously as they could or if you were in charge of the FIA for a year what changes would you make so this is a very good question um I see the FIA are trying to promote women as best as they could in multiple series try to you know do some media for them give them that exposure that they need but I feel like they need to help fund girls racing so I see they made this um, karting, I think, Girls on Track event, but it's just for girls who are just starting. And the girls who are already in the industry who don't really have that, you know, budget to continue are out, are left on the sideline. So I would say, you know, you need to work on the girls that are already in this industry, already in F4. They're already, they have the experience, they have the mileage. They have the the position to reach higher. 
they need to focus on these girls as well, not just starting up girls from karting who are already, you know, they have no experience yet and are yet to experience something new. So it has to be a bit of both. So yeah, they need to work on funding, helping at least the young girls who are already in single seaters or GT or something. Does it frustrate you? It kind of does because the whole role is the women, we need to have more women in it and the lack of budget is drifting the girls away. So we need, and there's a lot of girls who have a lot of talent. They, they, they deserve to be in F1. I've seen so many girls who deserve to have a seat in F1, but they just don't have the budget. They don't have the support. So they just left, you know, to drift away and then move into GT, which is much cheaper for them. So, yeah, it's frustrating. I get really upset. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I can see it in your eyes. Yeah. But the fact that you're passionate about it means that you won't let that go. No, for sure. I mean, if I had a role or if I had the budget, I would help girls, you know, pursue their careers. As For me, I had, I had the talent. I had everything. And then last minute... I had no sponsors, so I was left with no racing for a year. So I had to wait and look for sponsors to help me, you know, get back into the racing industry. And by the time I got back, everybody had more track time than I did. So it was like starting from zero. So yeah, it's, we need to have that, we need that to change. What does success mean to you? Can you define it in your terms? Success to me is reaching your goal and then making a new goal and then reaching that goal and then making another new goal and you keep reaching and making new goals. That's success to me. That's success. And that goal doesn't have to be related to anything. It just has to be your goal. It has to be your own goal and it's a realistic goal, not, you know, a goal that's like a small step-by-step -step goals, you know, like that. And the word kindness in a competitive world that you work in, as competitive as it is, what does the word kindness mean to you? Kindness to me is treating someone the same in, like, without looking at where they're from or how they look like or where they come from. So it's just, you know, treating them as your own, from your own family. Uh, that's kindness to me. And one message to all of the girls out there right now that are listening to this, a lot of them with their parents because their mum and dad would have said, come and listen to this, <laughs> <laughs> that are listening right now. One message to them. My message to them is keep persisting. Do what you want to do. And I know this sounds very, you know, cliche, don't give up, but it's very important that you shouldn't give up and you should keep pursuing because you will never know where you would have breached if you gave up. So keep pursuing, keep persisting. It's always key. Do you believe you can do anything you set your mind to? 100%. I do. 100%. Okay. Have you enjoyed chatting to me today? Yes, I have. Excellent stuff, Amna. Thank you so much <laughs> for coming to join us on the podcast today. It's been great talking to you. Can I just ask, how old are you? 22. You're 22 years old. <laughs> You've really got it together. Thank okay. you. It's really <laughs> best chatting to you today. So thanks for coming to join us. It's been an honor. Thank you.